Welcome to the SCG Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for our weekend services in person in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our service live online at scgchurch.org or live on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. You doing all right? Yeah, everybody staying cool? I was just in Phoenix. I made sure I was right with God. So I don't want to spend eternity in that kind of place. It was hot. I'm glad to be home. Hey, uh, listen, uh, so I was gone the last couple of weeks, and, uh, and I don't know if you do this or not. I hope you do, but when I'm traveling, I always go to church, and usually I go to a couple of churches a weekend at least, and, uh, and, uh, and just uh, I kind of love going to church, and, and sometimes it's a fulfilling experience, and sometimes it's disappointing, and, and uh, last couple of weeks, uh, just great uh, churches I went to, a very different, very different styles of uh, music and, and teaching and so on, but I just, I loved it. And here's, I came away with something a little bit disappointing. I don't remember what the pastor said in either situation. I, I don't remember the sermon at all. It meant nothing to me. Uh, I, I, it probably was good. I don't know. I might have fallen asleep. I don't remember what happened. But I remember this, that what I came away with that was important wasn't the information I got. It was the inspiration I got by being there with other of God's people and, and being in the midst of God's presence. And so one of the things that I kind of reaffirmed and, and remembered and was reminded of is that being here is not about just getting information. This isn't a classroom. Hopefully we give you some information, but it's about being together with God. It's about God's presence. And either the sermon doesn't, I mean, usually at least 50% of the time it's really good around here. But even if the sermon isn't incredible, the fact that you're here and you're experiencing God's presence, because at the end of the day, Christianity is not about what you learn, a set of rules, a set of do's and don'ts. It is about a relationship with God. And so today I want to do something a little different. We, we've been doing this, um, this, this thing about stories, and today we don't have a video story because today is about your story, and it's about my story. Because if we're to have the kind of story we want to have, God intends us to have, it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. It begins with that. And if you have that, then you have a story. And you're currently right now in that story. And God is writing this, this chapter with you right now. And so I, I want to do a little experiment today, something a little more experiential. You up for that? Wow, that was incredibly weak, but I'm in charge, so we're doing it anyway. Actually, I think you're going to enjoy it because I just want us to move beyond just talking about God and talking and hearing other people's story. I want us to work on our story today. I want you to work on yours and me to work on mine. And let's, let's think about what our story is because only the stories written in relationship with God have any eternal value. And I want my life to matter. I want my life to count for something. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to do several songs uh, today. And I'm going to invite the singers up. And, uh, and during each of these songs, I'm going to give you an assignment. And then when you kind of thought through the assignment, you join in and sing along, okay? Uh, so here is the assignment for the first one, the first thing we're going to do. I want you to think of three words. You can use sentences if you want. But three words to describe you and God. Me and God are What? Three words. I want you to find that, okay? Because that's the baseline for our stories. How you answer that question will be the baseline of what kind of story you're writing. It could be me and God are estranged. That will write a different story than me and God are best friends. 
right? Or me and God. He's my Lord and Savior. What are you and God? Come up with those three words as we start singing this, and then let's join in.
You may be seated. Uh, by the way, you're going to feel like you're in a different kind of church. We're going to do some standing and sitting today. And uh, so don't go to sleep on me, all right? Uh, so here's the deal. My testimony is this. Uh, you can write your own story. You can have a testimony. Uh, my testimony is I was a snot-nosed, troublemaking, smart aleck kid. Uh, I've, and I'm still many of those things, but not as bad as I once was. Because God intervened in my life and said, son, you were made for more than this. You were made for more than just seeking pleasure and, and uh, people's approval. You were made for more. And he intervened in my life and called me to something else, a different kind of life. And that is a part of my testimony. And so if you're here today and you have a, a testimony because God has done something in your life, you have a great starting point. If you don't, I'd love to talk to you afterwards or maybe talk to someone who brought you and find out what it means to have a relationship with God because of what Christ has done because that's the beginning of your real story, the one that matters, the one that matters forever. And so as I was thinking about this, this, um, this talk this week and, and kind of what I've experienced the last couple of weeks, and, and I just want to tell you something, and, and I hesitate to tell you this because I don't want to in any way sound like bragging because it has little to do with me. But in my relationship, because of maybe, I don't know, it was the pandemic and some other stuff we faced around here, some difficult, hard things um, that I couldn't even fool myself into thinking I was in control of, um, I really have uh, experienced a sweetness in my relationship with God in the last couple of years. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying there is a, a sweetness that comes out of total dependency on God. And there is a, a, a relational depth that I've not experienced before in my life. And I think that God is always calling us to a new level of relationship. And, and for me, it has kind of felt like that among moments of sheer panic and terror. But, but um, and I just tell you that because I was... Uh, Recently, uh, looking uh, uh, on social media, which was a mistake, and I, I promise not to do it again, but um, I saw, again, a reference to some people who I had once known to be Christians, and they, had, uh, they were celebrating the fact that they had deconstructed their faith, and I was saddened by that, uh, and, and the reason I was saddened by that is because the kind of Christianity I know isn't something you deconstruct any more than it would make sense to say I deconstructed my marriage. Because I didn't, I didn't yes, we've built a relationship, we built a marriage, but it's not something that I kind of built and I could unbuild. It is more than that. It is relational. It is love. It is, it is, it is something else. I actually, I have to be honest, I, a little bit of me is, uh, uh, no, all of me is cynical, but I'm fighting it. I'm holding most of it back. But I did think in that moment of a country song, and it, something the essence of, you didn't love me like I loved you. If you think, and it's evidently the girl is breaking up in the song and says, you know, I, I, it, we, we can still be friends, and, 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 and I'll still see you out in public, and, and you're going to find somebody new, and I'm happy for you to find somebody. And it goes to all these things that she says to him, break it up, and he says, if you feel that way, then you didn't love me the way I loved you. And when I read this about these people deconstructing their faith, I said, well, you don't know, I don't know what your faith was. It sounds like it was a religion or a set of beliefs or a set of philosophies or something that you could deconstruct. But in my relationship with Jesus, it's not about that. I, I can no more walk away from Jesus and not have, have complete loss in my life than I walk away from my marriage and have loss. 
You see, this isn't about a set of beliefs, and, and certainly beliefs come along with it. It's not about a, a, a behaviors, and behaviors will be changed because it is about a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And I, I, I was kind of awakened having just kind of the juxtaposition of what I've been experiencing in my relationship with God and my prayer time and the hope and the encouragement that I'm receiving in my prayer time and, and somebody who's deconstructed something, it just didn't make sense. Somebody missed something here. And so the thought for me today is that I want you to have a story that matters forever, and I don't want you to have a religion, and I don't want you to have a set of rules or, or try to buy off God so he's not mean to you or some silliness like that. I want you to know the God who loves you, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who gave you special gifts and abilities you haven't even recognized yet, who's just waiting for you to unpack them so that you can impact your world the way you were created to. A God who loved you so much that when you turned your back and we turned our back as humanity, he came down and he died on a cross so that we could be reconciled to him and live the life we were intended to. That's the God I want you to know. I want you to know him through Jesus Christ, okay? So today I want to talk about our story. I want to talk about what we do to get there. Now, for many years, Connie and I have practiced date night, sometimes it's date morning when the kids were in school especially and we uh, uh, faithfully for 41 years we have done this I'm not saying we haven't missed a week or two here or there um, but but rarely and one of the wonderful things about date night is that we just no matter how busy we are no matter what crazy is going on we get together and we talk we clear the air if there's stuff we talk about issues that are we're both concerned about we reconnect and we just fall a little bit more in love every date night okay i want to suggest we need the same kind of experience with god we need to have times with God where we reconnect. We clear the air. By the way, he didn't mess up. You did. That's always the case, okay? It's called confession. We clear the air by me admitting I'm an idiot, all right? That's also how it works in my marriage, but that's a different story. <laughs> and I have found, so in the last couple of years, I think one of the reasons I would describe my relationship with God as sweet, because my three words probably would be, I, I try to find three words about you and God. Um, he, is my, he is my savior because I need forgiveness. He is my Lord because I need direction, and he's my friend. I really believe that. And it's not, by the way, that's not something I made up. It's, it's all in here. Uh, and so in difficult times, in, in, in troubled times, in confusing times, I have found that that date with God, and it's not weekly, it's daily, in that time, it's still not productive unless I do something right. And it's this. I begin that time with praise. It's kind of, what do they call it, uh, DTR they used to call it back in the day? A determine the relationship. I sit down with God and I determine the relationship. Here it is. God, you're great. You're perfect. You got it all together. Me, I'm messed up. Please help me. That's kind of, that's the determine the relationship. But I start with this. I start with praise. God, here's the truth about you because I need to be reminded of the truth about God. If we're going to deal with my stuff and the stuff around me, I need to start with who God is because God is all powerful, almighty, loving, kind, and just. And all of those attributes get attributed to whatever it is I'm going through, whatever growth point he's got me at, whatever circumstance I'm going through, it has to begin with me remembering who God is. And I begin with praise. It's about reconnecting with God. One of the most powerful things is I want my story to be a story of praise. Because as I praise God, I acknowledge God, some wonderful things happen. Let me just give you some scriptures real quick here. 
Um, Hebrews 13, 15, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. As I make that sacrifice, it is a sacrifice, because you know what I want to do when I pray? I want to talk about me. I want to talk about what I'm going through. But it doesn't matter until I first recognize and remember and acknowledge who God is. And then as I do that, I begin to look at things differently. I begin to remember that God is good. Hebrews 13, 5, or uh, excuse me, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Oftentimes, especially in the last few, uh, couple of years, I have been feeling the darkness around me, the darkness moving in on me, whether it's the hopelessness of a pandemic or some other stuff. I come to him in praise, and what happens? I remember I am called out of darkness into light, and it's not dependent upon my circumstances. It's not dependent upon my wit or my cunning or my ability to maneuver anything. It is simply because God loves me and Christ died for me. And so I begin to find myself changing in my attitude and the way I move forward. I begin to walk in gratitude. You see, the world around me is about entitlement. I deserve this. I get this. I have a right to this. And I believe in human rights. And I think those are great. But ultimately, entitlement doesn't get me where I want to go. Gratitude to God is what gets me where I want to go. Listen to this, Colossians 3. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, which is what we're doing today. Uh, Singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. And if you're a non-singer, you just kind of wish we wouldn't do the music thing, get over it. Open up the channel between here and here. I know you like to live above here because it's really scary down in here, this hard thing. Open it up, have a little gratitude in your heart, and you'll find your worldview is changing, your perspective is changing significantly. That was uncalled for, and it's not in my notes. I apologize. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Whatever you do, do it with a heart of gratitude. I get past my entitlement. I move to gratitude because all that I have from my, my marriage to my kids to my job, it's a gift from God. Just the very air I'm breathing is a gift from God. I need to live in that gratitude. <clears throat> Secondly, abundance, not scarcity. We live in a world that says not enough to go around. You got to get yours, not enough to go around. God has all that I need. Here's what scripture says. Command those, those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. We know that, right? But have you looked at your 401k? Okay. Try gratitude in light of that. It's possible. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God will provide. There is not a scarcity in the world. There is abundance. God has everything you need. You can live in that, not in the fear of not having, but in the joy of knowing that God will provide. Another thing that happens in praise is I begin to remember that we live differently. We think differently. We relate differently. We live in a world that I think is trying to drive us toward isolation, not just the obvious things like pandemic and lockdowns and so on, but even just the way our world functions. He's in a room. I was in a room the other day, and I looked around, and every person, all friends, all know each other, there to be together with each other. Every single person was on their phone. They were together in isolation. Here's what the Bible says. 
God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Connie and I were traveling in South Carolina last week, two weeks ago, and, uh, and we took a drive, and we were out in the middle of somewhere, I don't know where, and, uh, and we saw a store that had all kinds of plants and stuff outside, and it said, Hardware Mercantile and Post Office. Sweetwater Hardware Mercantile and Post Office. Well, you got to stop, right? Right? I mean, it had all kinds of old-timey stuff. And, oh, and it said antiques on another sign. And so they had all kinds of old-timey stuff. It's out in the country. So we stopped and we go in and it's a hardware store. And then, and then you move back a little further and then they got home decor stuff. And then, and then you'd see some antiques. And then there's this lady who's selling jams that she made. And then we found a cake. Now, what do you do when you find a cake in a hardware store? You buy it, right? Who's not going to buy that? Are you kidding me? A cake in a hardware store? You're going to buy that. I bought it. And I didn't just buy it. I went to the paint section and found a little knife thing to cut it with. So here's Connie and I in the parking lot cutting up this cake. And we took a bite of it, and it was unbelievable. I mean, it was like unbelievable. It was incredible. And so we, we, you know, they're sharing the knife and passing it, eating this cake, and the hands are all gooey, and we're looking for something to wipe it on. And there's a rental car, so a cart. No, that's not true. <laughs> so we said, okay, that was great. We put it away. Two miles down the road. Hey, you know, I wouldn't mind having a little more. Five times we put that thing away and got it back out again. It was unbelievable. That cake was, oh my goodness, it was sweet. It was. See, a lot of people who. Look at Christianity and think it's just awful. It's just mean. It's just rules. My relationship with my wife is sweet at this point. We put a lot of work in a lot of years. We really love each other. My relationship with Christ is sweet. It is sweet. There is a, a depth of flavor. There is a sweetness there. Yeah, I still mess up all the time. And yet that relationship remains intact. Today... I want us to move not toward a legalistic kind of view of God. God has expectations for your life, but it is in the context of sweetness. I feel like maybe if my friends who deconstructed had understood the sweetness of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, they wouldn't have been so tempted to go try to find it somewhere else. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just kind of think about that relationship that you, you have with God. And I want, you to, I want you to think about three attributes of God that at this moment you appreciate the most. Maybe it's that God is, is all-powerful. Maybe it's that God is all-knowing. Maybe it's that God is gentle and patient and kind. Maybe it's that God is just. I want you to come up with the three attributes of God because the attributes of God help determine who you are and how you will walk in your story with him if you understand who God is. So I'm going to invite the singers back out again, and I want them to do a song. I love this song. I've been singing this song all week. Uh, and, and it's a great song. And I, by the way, I recommend the album. Uh, it's by a guy named Brian Ellis. There's a great song in there called New Wine Flow. It's really cool. I, I encourage you to listen to it. But I've been, I've been walking in this song because I want to walk in a life of gratitude.
Because the world around me tells me I should be afraid. I should be angry. I should be mean. I want to walk in gratitude because God has been better to me. I truly know this. God has been better to me than I ever deserved. I want to walk in gratitude. And it begins with praise. I want you to find the three attributes of God that you appreciate most so that you can praise him. And when you have them, sing along and think about those attributes of God and what they've meant to you. Let's sing. I'm forgiven, praise God in heaven who reigns. Hallelujah, Christ is risen, now every heart has a way. There's nothing left to do but give you praise. Jesus, only you get all my praise. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus for your patience with me, cause I was blinded, but now I'm seeing, Lord I'm By the way, you'll write a different story if you fill your car with that music instead of the talk radio that makes you angry. You'll write a different story if you live in gratitude and thanksgiving than you do if you live in the entitlement that the world tells you you deserve. You'll write a different story. I want my story to be one of, of learning to praise, increasingly learning to praise daily. 
Uh, it's interesting because uh, I think praise also results in a different kind of story in that the results and the attitude, the, the atmosphere in which I live is different when I live in, atti- in an attitude of gratitude and praise. Uh, let me give you a couple. One, I was listening to a podcast this week and they quoted an article from the New York, New York Times last week and it said this, hostages, that's how, uh, that's how people, uh, what the experience of many Americans who feel trapped in the maze of our moral, political, and social dysfunctionality feel. Let me read that again. That's how an article in the New York Times this week describes the experience of many Americans who feel trapped in the maze of our moral, political, and social dysfunctionality. It concludes we can try to reform that system or, at minimum, force our leaders to consider radically altering it. Both are noble endeavors, but they are incredibly hard and, at the very least, not close at hand. I don't know about you, but I oftentimes, as I look at the world around us, I feel uh, depressed, I feel hopeless, and or angry. Let me contrast that to the church I went to last Sunday morning. Last Sunday morning, I went to a church, and they had two services. The first service was a traditional service. Now, before you think pipe organ, that kind of thing, it was a Pentecostal church. A little different. Their traditions were a little different than you might experience in a more mainline denominational. And it was so interesting because I arrived a little bit early, as all visitors do, because everybody knows the regulars come late. Kind of got honoring my little vacation, didn't I? Well, who knew? And, uh, and so I, I sat there and I watched, and here's what was interesting. In this auditorium, it, it was a good-sized auditorium, there was probably 400 people, older folks, like not my old, like my parents' age old, and it was so fun to watch them. The ladies were all dressed up and they were hugging each other and catching up on the kids and the grandkids and how you feeling and the guys. I actually saw two old guys teasing each other and kind of roughing each other up, pushing. I'm thinking, you're going to break a hip up easy now. (laughs) It was just wonderful to watch these people. Several things were evident. One is that they had known each other for a very long time. And then it was time for service to begin, and I was shocked. A lady sat down at the piano, turned out to be the pastor's wife, and just ripped into that piano. She could play. And she started singing, and I'm like, wow, here we go. This could be fun. And they sang an old hymn, and then they sang some chorus and went back into How Great Thou Art. And it was wonderful, and everybody was singing at the top of their lungs, and it was wonderful. And then the preacher got up, and the preacher wasn't very good. It was a guest speaker, and it wasn't very good. But it didn't matter because something happened. Because every time the, the speaker made a good point, someone said, hey, man. Okay, okay. And, but here's what's interesting. I've been in lots of churches, and some are amen churches. Some are, you know, if you get a nod, you're doing good, right? Some churches you need to check for a heartbeat. But in this, it was interesting because as I sat there, and the more, the, and it wasn't just amen at everything. It was when the speaker hit on something that in these people, all of them probably in their 80s or better, had experienced God's goodness in life. They were saying amen. Not that I agree just intellectually. I'm saying I agree because God's done that in my life. I've experienced that. They were saying amen from a depth of, of relationship, of experience with God. You could no more get them to deconstruct. 
Because they had walked so many years in this relationship with the divine, with Jesus Christ. And when they said amen, they weren't just saying, that's a good theological point, or, or I agree with that. No, they're saying, no, I've experienced that's true. That's God walked me through the loss of my spouse. God walked me through the loss of my child. God walked me through cancer. You could just hear it in their voice. It was a knowing. There is a knowing. Let me suggest to you that when our story is something that we're writing with God, there is a knowing. If we just live according to the world around us, it's annoying. <laughs> but when we have a relationship with him, there is a knowing. There is a deep confidence that he has the outcomes. It's called peace. It's called peace. One of the advertisements about these folks who have deconstructed that made me so sad was they were doing a seminar together former Christians doing a seminar on how to have peace. And I was thinking it would be just as silly for me to give a seminar on how to have a marriage without a spouse. You see, because here's the problem. The misunderstanding about this is that peace does not come from a methodology. It does not come from a mindset, and it does not come from a mantra. You can't teach me. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that peace comes from God. It is supernaturally. It is gifted into your very soul. And it even says you may not even understand why you're at peace. Certainly other people understand why you're at peace. It is a peace that passes. is beyond understanding. There is a knowing in the deepest part of who you are that God has got this thing. I have seen it at the bedside of a dying Christian that God's got this. I know what my next step is. And in the midst of, of facing what everybody in the world is afraid of, they were at peace. My own father, I'm at peace. I know what happens next. I have seen it when, when at the bedside of a child who is hurting someone at peace, even though they're, they're, it's terribly sad their child is hurting, but they know that God is in control. I've seen it when the world seems to be falling apart. Finances are going to pieces of people and they put their trust in Jesus and they have a peace, the deepest part of who they are. I want my story to be about a person who knows God's peace. Here's what it says in John 14, 25. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Now listen to this next one. This is amazing. I do not give you as the world gives. You see, the best the world can offer is maybe a little respite from the craziness for a moment. Everybody promises peace. If you elect me, you're going to get peace. Everything's going to be great. If you use my product, you're going to get peace and everything you want. Only Jesus says, no, no, I'll give you peace. You don't earn it. You don't achieve it. You don't acquire it. I'm going to give it to you. And by, your Holy, by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to teach you how to walk into it. And you're going to remember my words. And you're going to be able to live in peace no matter what's going on around you. Here's what Philippians 4 says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness, by the way, the word gentleness has nothing to do with weakness, has everything to do with strength to be strong enough to stand when the winds of controversy, the winds of culture are blowing. You are so strong in your confidence in God. You need not be reactionary. Be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want part of my story to be. I want to be so filled with gratitude and praise and God's word and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life that I want to be unoffendable for the cause of Christ. I want to be drama resistant because I know who's in charge of my outcomes. And I want to be anxiety free because I walk with Jesus. Those words are the complete antithesis to what we see happening in our world. And we as Christians are called to live differently, to think differently, to react differently. I want my story to be one of peace. And I've come to realize that if I am going to walk in praise and gratitude and I'm going to live in peace, I'm going to need to lean on the power of God. I think maybe part of the result, the reason those folks decided to walk away from their religion was they never really maybe experienced the power of God. See, I have come to realize that it is the power of God to work in my life, in my mind, in my heart, in my character, and through me to others. It is the power of God that is absolutely necessary. There is no other power available. Everything else is powerless. Listen to this. When the disciples began to leave because they heard Jesus teaching his difficulty, he said to his closest disciples, are you going to leave too? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I've come to believe that there is no worldview. There is no set of principles that can do what God can do that God can bring change, that God can bring hope, that God can bring the power to bear in my life that will make the difference. God is the ultimate power. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Everybody else around us is talking about power, but God has the power to change you, to change me. Only Jesus can give me hope. I recently read about a rabbi here in Los Angeles and said the following. In America... Right now, we really need a redemptive narrative. We do need a redemptive narrative. Everybody's talking about what's wrong, and everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else, whether it's on the national scene or it's in your home, until we come to realize the redemptive narrative is available. It has already happened. God has already come. He has already come and died on a cross so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be reconciled with him and reconciled with each other. We just can't seem to pull it off because we're trying to do it on our own. What if God could give you the power to be reconciled, to be reconciled to those who have hurt you and those you have hurt, to reconcile with your past and realize it's been forgiven and you need not carry that guilt anymore? What if it's God's power that is needed to come and to heal the brokenness, the woundedness, the abuse that you've experienced? What if it's God's power that is missing? Would you be willing to stop and open up your hands and your heart and say, God, I want your power to work in me, to change my mind, to change my heart, to change my behavior before I pray about the rest of the world. I need you to work on me. See, that's what needs to happen in America. That's what needs to happen in your home and in mine. We need God's power, God's supernatural power. This isn't a, this isn't a belief system for me. This isn't a way of life for me. This is a relationship in which I believe I've experienced God on a regular basis coming and just intervening in my life, whether it's to change my attitudes and my perspective or actually bring physical healing in my body. I've experienced that. This is almighty God we're talking to. 
We're not here to learn a, a, a different concept. We're here to meet with almighty God, all-powerful God who can intervene at any moment, who invites us to come to him with confidence and say, God, I need, hard words for some of us, I need, I'm looking at you, men. I need. The truth is, I don't, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. Maybe you're at the very front. You don't even know who God is but you have a need. You sense there's something missing. Maybe you've been walking with God for a long time, but if you're like me, there's always a point of growth. There's always a next step. He's always calling you to another level of, of growth. And I need his help to do that. I want to I walk in a life of praise and gratitude. I want to live at peace, and I want to experience God's hope and healing and, and the purpose and yes, eventually eternal life that come from the power. The power that was, the love that was exhibited on the cross and the power that was exhibited at the resurrection, the power. The Bible says that very same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you and I to do whatever it is that we need. I recently was having a conversation with a longtime friend. My longtime friend, I know their family well. He's my age. He and his siblings had a strained relationship with their father for all of his life. Dad, I have known a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness. And recently I noticed that in the last couple of years there's been a, a softening in what had been a very fractious relationship and broken at times. I said to my friend, what happened? He said, my dad went to church. Well, it wasn't news. Dad always went to church. But this time he went to church and he heard from God. He was in a church service and he was praying and something, just a thought hit him. You're not very nice. You're not very good. Your anger, your bitterness has destroyed your family. You need to change. This is not a young man. This is an old man. You need to change. And he said in that moment that God came and began to change his heart. He began to look at the world differently. And all the stuff that had made him mad and all the bitterness he carried began to melt away. And in the subsequent days after that, he began to feel himself being less angry and less bitter. And he began to, and when his son came to confront him, he said, Dad, you need to change. And he said, Son, you're right. God told me that. He's changing me right now. And his son told me this. And he has changed. I never thought I would see it. The rest of the family is slowly starting to trust him again. Not everybody, but slowly starting to trust him. Because God changed an old man. God can change an old man. He can change you. He can change whatever's going on in your life. See, I don't want us to just meet here and learn. I want us to meet here and be with God, Almighty God, who wants to be involved in your life, who wants to bring about hope, who wants to infuse you with the kind of love you can never self-generate, who wants to give you a purpose that you can never imagine, who wants to work in your life today and tomorrow and the next day. This isn't, this isn't a system of beliefs. This isn't a religion. This is a relationship. So here's what I do for our final exercise together. Please do not leave early. We're going to do something at the end of this that I think may be the most important thing we do. Please do not leave early. And if you don't want to experience it, be respectful. Other people do. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to invite the guys to come out and sing. Go ahead and take that table down. Here's your third assignment. I want you to identify in your life where you need God to intervene where you have to say, if I'm going to be honest, God, 
I need, I need. What is it you need? What is it you need from God? Oh, my life's going pretty good. That's not what I ask you. What do you need from God? If God were right here right now and you were talking to God, what would you say you need? Because he is here and you are. And so what do you need? This isn't a quiet little reverence song where we all meditate and get contemplative. No, this is a raucous, a little bit kind of up-tempo song because God said to come to him, not because we deserve to, but because what Christ has done, that we can approach his throne boldly in confidence because he's our father and he loves us that much. So come step up to dad and say, here's what I need, father. Here's what I need today. I need you to intervene. I need you to break down the bitterness I've been carrying for so long. I need you to defeat the fear that's been enslaving me for so long. I need you to help me keep my focus on you and quit looking at the bad stuff around me. God, I need you to help me have a breakthrough today and overcome this addiction. I need, what do you need? Let's get honest with God and let's lift it up to him today. As they sing this song, I want you to talk to Almighty God. And acknowledge what you need and invite him in.
So today, I'd like you to uh, invite you to do something a little abnormal. You could be seated if you're standing right now. Because I believe that we need to do more than just think about, think about and talk about. We need to take some action on the I need part of this deal. And we need to publicly acknowledge that I have something I need God to intervene. And so here, here's why I had to be seated. Because I want you, if you're in this moment today and you realize that you need God to intervene in your life, I want you to stand up. Maybe, maybe for you it's like, God, I need you to break this depression in my life. I, I need you to break the heaviness that I've been feeling and the despair and the hopelessness. I, maybe for you it's I need you to break this addiction or I need you to break this mindset that I've carried as, because I was a victim as a child. Maybe it's just, Lord, I have just not spent enough time with you and I need you to break this, this bad scheduling and selfishness in my life. Lord, I need you to intervene in my parenting because I'm just not sure what the next step is. Lord, I need you to intervene. I need you to intervene. And if you're willing to stand up right now, we're going to pray for you. But first, I'm going to ask those who are not standing to stand and put a, sh- a hand on somebody's shoulder. And if you're standing, find somebody, put your hand on there. We're not, it's not the magical about it. We're just agreeing together. We're inviting God in. We're inviting Him to come to change us, to work in our lives, to change our character, to break old habits and old patterns, to give us a new hope, to make us a new creation that we are in Christ. So let me pray for you. Lord God, right now, I just pray. I don't know what's going on in everybody's heart. I know what I'm needing. I know what I need today. I'm inviting you in to come and because you're all powerful and you're merciful and you are loving and you are kind. You will come. You are my Father. I pray that you will break this thing in me that needs to be broken and replace it with your goodness, your love, Lord God, the confidence that comes from walking with you. Lord, if there's anyone here today who's hurting and struggling with past issues, I pray that you would free them, that those things will be thrown in the deepest ocean and you would set them free to walk in you and with you. Lord God, for those who are struggling with the future, an uncertain future, give them confidence, give them peace, that you know where they are and you know what they're going through, Lord God. For the parents in the room, I pray that you give them wisdom, divine wisdom and unconditional love for their children and a confidence that you will keep them and you will grow them and mature them as a family. Lord God, for anybody who's facing anything today, I pray that you would come to them and you'd intervene in their life. And maybe there's someone here today who doesn't know you. I pray that in this moment, they would feel your presence. They would sense your love. They would realize that this is what they've been looking for. And Lord, for my friends who have deconstructed, I pray that you'd intervene in their life. You would flood them with such such an awareness of your presence, such an awareness of their need for you. And today, Lord God, we pray for our nation and our world. We need you to intervene. And may it begin with us. May it be through us. And may it impact all around us. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said...
We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we have live services on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings in our West Auditorium. Or you can watch live online at scgchurch.org or on our YouTube and Facebook.